0: Awesome. Great video. Okay, guys, so Adam's preaching tonight. Yeah. Yeah. So without further ado, Jesus, Jesus. You, are you are better, better. than anything, than anything. In, this world. in this world. And Adam is a close third because game is number two. two. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. How's everyone doing tonight? I'm excited. I've been excited about this message for about a month and a half, ever since, uh, ever since we decided to preach this series. I have been really pumped. This is just what I, my message tonight has just been in my head, on my heart for a long time. So sermon prep was me scrolling through long notes on my phone of just different things I've jotted down and trying to make sense of it all. So I, I'm super excited, but, but we have a lot of ground to cover. You can open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. I'll give you a second to find that. Set this here for a second. Philippians chapter two, verse three. If you've got it, say got it. Got it. Got it. If you need time, say Wait for me. Wait, wait. All right. Waiting we shall go. Philippians chapter two, verse three. I'm excited. I love to see these two leaders disappear. Congrats to everyone who brought friends. I love to see these seats. <laughs> filled up. Hey, we, we are in our core values series right now. I think we're just calling this series Trademark, which is cool because that's the name of our youth group. And our goal for this series is to say, hey, we want to grow. We, we believe that, that the truth about Jesus needs to go to the ends of the earth. And in order for that to happen, it has to start in our city. There are people in our schools and our community who are dying going to hell because they don't have Christ. And, and, and so we want to see as many of your friends, your friends are literally dying to hear the gospel. Your, your families are dying to hear the gospel. Your schools are dying to hear the gospel, literally. And so I want to see these seats packed out. We've set up every chair that we own in this room. I think there's 92 chairs up tonight. And if you look around, there's not 92 people in the chairs. That's good. We want to feel this tension of, hey, we have room to grow. We have room for more people to come. We have room for the gospel to spread further than it's spread before. And we wanna see, we we don't just want to see, we believe, we eagerly expect that every chair in this room is gonna be filled, amen? And this is on you, not on myself and Pastor Gabe. I'm not cool. I'm 23, I was kind of cool Six years ago, not really, now I'm way past my prime. I am not gonna be able to make a youth group grow. I'm not gonna be able to convince your friends that this is a cool place. Cause I'm 23 and I'm not cool. This is just, I, I've embraced it. I'm wearing skinny jeans for gosh sakes. Like it's just, I, I, I've decided, I'm just, I'm, I'm out there. But, but invite your friends, we wanna see this happen. We, we will see every seat filled. Hopefully I've stalled Wait, for yeah. you long enough. For Philippians chapter 2, we're going to start reading in verse 3 down to the end of the section. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, and on earth, and underneath, earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that it carries. We thank you for, for, for the truth that it brings us. I pray that tonight your word would illuminate our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would do its work in this place, that our eyes would be open to the truth of the gospel that we would see you for who you are, we would behold your glory, and in beholding your face, we would be changed forever. We pray this in your beautiful and glorious name. Amen. 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 So we are in this series, calling it Trademark. This is our core value series, and so this is just who we are. For, for, for the next, well, four weeks, this is week two of a four-week series, we're just unpacking. You can see these posters around the room with, with our core values. Last week, Pastor Gabe just set it up so nicely for us and, and reminded us everything we do is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I think we even wrote it down on our notes twice. That's how big of a deal it is. It's all about Jesus. Everything we do, we said Jesus is the big E, right? When you have an eye chart, you go to the eye doctor's office. You have to see the big E. If you can't see that, it doesn't matter what else you can see. You're blind. We don't want you to miss Jesus. You, you, you can. We can. We can kind of go back and forth on all the all these other issues. There's all kinds of minor doctrinal things here and there. But if you miss Jesus, you're missing the point. And, and you can live a fulfilled, happy satisfied life, but if you miss Jesus, you missed the point of life. Jesus is the center of everything we do, and now around Jesus, we have these four core values. Last week, we talked about bold proclamation for Jesus. This week, we're talking about authentic relationships around Jesus. Next week, it's life transformation through Jesus, and then finally, we'll finish with audacious faith in Jesus. These are our core values. We are trademark, a product of the truth, a product of Of the truth, and so we're we're talking about our distinguishing marks this week is life transformation through Jesus, life transformation through Jesus, and you you can even write that down. Life transformation through Jesus—that should be your first blank. That's what we're going over tonight. We're we're highlighting our distinguishing marks, or you could say our trademarks. Mm, See what I did there? (laughs) Clever. Our trademarks and. uh, I, I was going to talk about how, how cool trademarks are, how important they are, how much they, they kind of set apart a, band, a, a brand and, and let you see what's going on. But what, what, what I thought would be more fun and more effective is if we played a little game. So here's how this is going to work. I've got a game. I'm going I'm to throw some logos up, or Josh is going to throw some logos up on the screen. And I just want you to shout out the brand that that logo represents. First person I hear, I'm going to throw some candy at you. So let's just, let's just have at it. Josh, throw that first one up there. Adidas. I heard Andrew first. Yes. All right. Next one. Next Pepsi. one. We're just gonna. <laughs> I think I heard Titus. Oh, Titus. I don't know if I can throw that far. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You get it. my gift. <laughs> I'm not an athlete. All right. Next one. General Mills, right there. Wow. Next one. Mitsubishi. Pastor Gabe. <laughs> Close. Next one. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) I think I heard it over here somewhere. Give it to him. Next one. Versace right there. Diego's got it. If you're going to be a celebrity pastor, you've got to know Versace. Let's see the next one. If you want a man with style, there he is. Safeway. Safeway. I heard it from Joe. Oh, that was terrible. (laughs) You can get that yourself <laughs> for real. I grew up on <laughs> Starbucks. Wasn't Starbucks already up there? Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> <It does>. Tesla, <laughs> oh, right there. Ethan's idea. on it. Wow, these throws are so bad. <laughs> Try your right hand. <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> Twitter. I heard it right here, Amy. <laughs> that wasn't my fault. That was her fault. All right, next one. Trademark! Uh, <laughs> I heard Josh. What? I- <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. The fastball at the back. What? That was Gabe? I thought I heard Josh. They sound so similar, you know? Brothers. You can leave that one up there. I couldn't find our actual trademark logo, so I just grabbed one. It's close enough, right? But but these brands, so all these brands have a mark. And you see that mark and you immediately know this is Versace. Well you know all know Versace, but Diego knew Versace. But you see you see the Starbucks siren and you know good things are coming your way, just a little bit in the distance. You just gotta press through for that for for that caffeine. But these marks, the, the, we, we use these marks because we want to identify with a particular brand. I didn't get the Nike swoosh up there, but I don't know if you remember. Last year, a couple years ago, I don't remember when it was exactly. There's this huge controversy over Nike. People like burning Nike shoes, and like there was all kinds of stuff going on because of a commercial they made. And, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to weigh in. But whatever side you were on, you noticed that people either started really wearing a ton of Nike stuff because they were behind the brand, and they were behind the message, or people started like ditching their Nike, burning their Nike, throwing their Nike away. There were some of us who just really didn't care either way, and we just kind of went through it. But, but, but you see, people, when they, when they get this brand, this brand identifies them, and, and people like to identify with their brands. We wear these brands because we say, I believe in the message of this brand. Mm. Or, or, or we ditch a brand because we say, I don't believe in the message of that brand. That's what we saw with Nike. People either saying, hey, this is a good message, this is a bad message. Either way, we see brands and, and, and logos and trademarks have, have such a power to communicate a message. In, in just this small little image, you see this whole lifestyle unfold. And, and this is who we wanna be as trademark. In the same way, trademarks identify you as being a part of something. These, the, these four marks, these four distinguishing marks, these four trademarks, these identify us as being part of something bigger than ourselves. And, and so in the same way, people should be able to tell your brand. People should be able to tell what, what you're a part of. People should be able to tell what you're about just by looking at you and seeing these marks. They're going to see bold proclamation for Jesus in your life and they're going to know, oh hey, you are part of something bigger. They're going to see authentic relationships, life transformation, audacious faith. We want people to see these marks in our lives and recognize, hey, you're part of something bigger and not just trademark youth group, but, but, but Jesus is, is the biggie, Jesus is what we're, we're centered around. I don't care if you come to my youth group as much as I care, do you follow Jesus? Will you give your life to Jesus? I really couldn't care less if you're sitting in the seat as, as, long, as, as long as you're following Jesus and in the right place. That matters so much more to me than, than bumping attendance. As much as we're pushing this growth, as, as much as we're doing all this stuff, I wanna see you fall in love with Jesus more than I wanna see anything else happen in your life. We are a product of the truth. Our, our, our church, our church uh, in, in our mission statement we say, MCA, our church exists to expose the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. At Trademark, we say we are a product of the truth. I think it, I don't know if Pastor Gay planned it this way. I think it's cool how those two things kind of intersect. MC exists, expose the life-changing truth of Christ, and we are a product of the truth. So as we, as we encounter the truth of Jesus, as we encounter his word, it begins to change our lives, it begins to, to, to change the way we look and the way we act and the way we think and the way we feel, and we begin to look just like our Savior, our older brother, Jesus But I think there's something more. We are a product of the truth. The truth produces these things in our lives. I want to talk about this. This Mark tonight. I want to talk about authentic relationships around Jesus. But before I do that, I want to remind us, this only happens because of the truth. This only happens because of Jesus. You cannot, on your own, make yourself this really great, awesome person. You cannot, on your own, walk in bold proclamation, audacious faith, life transformation. Your life cannot be changed just by your own power. It happens because the truth. Jesus encounters your life, impacts your life. Jesus is the one who produces these things in our lives. And I want us to get that before we get anything else. Because if we miss that, we're going to miss everything. Jesus is the big E. We are centered around Jesus. So let's talk about authentic relationships. Authentic relationships around Jesus. If you haven't written that down yet, you should. Authentic relationships around Jesus. And so I just, I want to break, I want to break that phrase down. And so the first word that pops out there is relationships, the subject of the sentence. Relationships. We are people who have relationships. We are people who have relationships. This may seem really basic, but but we have to start here, right? As Christians, we have relationships. We're not hermits. We're not hiding out under some rock trying to escape the world. We're not running away from the world's systems, but we are walking into the world where we're having relationship with one another. We are encountering our world with Jesus. We're, we're We're not runaways. We're not recluses. We're not hiding out. We have relationships. We have, and these relationships look at all sorts of different things. High school and junior high, so, so I'm sure we're all thinking boyfriend, girlfriend. But the, the term relationship is bigger than that. We're, we're, we're talking acquaintances. We're talking neighbors. We're talking friends. We're, we're, we're talking best friends even is, is maybe a, a different level of relationship. Significant others, spouses, uh, of family members, all these, all these different areas. And we as Christians should be involved in all of those things. We shouldn't just be family people. We shouldn't just be neighbor people. We, we should be involved in our community. We should have relationships and seek to establish relationships with one another, both Christians and non-Christians. We're, we're not just living in a Christian bubble where, where we seclude ourselves from the rest of the world and hide out in our churches. But no, we are engaging openly and vocally and lovingly with the community around us. We're making relationships with as many people as possible, treating both categories with equal charity, equal dignity, equal love. Regardless of belief or background, we want to engage in relationship. And these relationships are authentic. Not only do we have relationships, but these relationships are honest and they're real. They're honest And they're real. So that means we're not hiding parts of ourselves from others. When we're in relationships with our neighbors, our neighbors aren't going to see a different side of us than than our family will. And and, and this is so relevant to to us and and the, the world we live in. Our friends at school are not seeing a different version of us than the people we sit next to in church. We are real, authentic People. When we go into the world and make relationships with, with all sorts of different people, every single person is seeing the same you. You're not wearing different faces. You're not wearing different masks. We're, we're not trying to, to put on a, a good show for our secular friends and a good show for our church friends and a good show for our for our theater friends. But, but in every relationship you have, you are you. So I am Adam in every room I walk into. This is just me. And, and I'm, I'm not changing based on the room. I'm not changing based on the people. I'm honest about who I am. And, and this should be easy for us to do because we believe in total depravity. We believe that every person is messed up by sin. So, so this should be easiest for us to do because we're going to recognize, hey, I'm not perfect and neither are you. I don't have to pretend to be perfect when I walk into the room because I recognize no one in this room is perfect. I don't have to try to put on this face and make myself look better than I really am because I recognize that you are just as messed up and ugly on the inside as I am. You're just hiding it and you're just being fake and you're not being real. I'm going to be real about it. I'm going to be honest about who I am. I'm gonna say, hey, we're all messed up, so I'm just gonna live in it, I'm gonna own it because it's not about me, it's about Jesus who is perfect on my behalf. So it doesn't matter how good I am, it doesn't matter how perfect I am because I have Jesus for me. Jesus is perfect for me. Stop trying to pretend like you've got it all together. That's good. You can write this down, real is messy. Real is messy. Part of having authentic relationships means sometimes we have messy relationships. Our relationships are not perfect. And we're okay with messy around here. Yeah, you, you, may hear, you, may, you may hear it say, it's okay not to be okay. Truth. This is a place where it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to come in and just have kind of a breakdown and say, hey, my life is falling apart and I do not know what to do. That is okay in this place. And, and that is the culture that we are striving to create as trademark. We wanna be this place where you can be real about yourself, you can be real about your struggles, you can be real about your life, you can be real about your sin. It is okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. Oh, that's good. Yeah. We don't want you to stay not okay. It's okay. It's okay to be not okay. It's okay to come in and be honest and say, hey, my life's a mess. I'm a wreck. I need some help. Jesus, help me. And we're going to surround you. We're going to love on you. It's not okay to stay that way. We're also going to help you grow and improve. Authentic relationships are messy, real is messy, but that's okay, because Jesus will take your mess, turn it into a message. There's no mess too big for Jesus to handle. We have authentic relationships around Jesus, around Jesus. If you look at our our logo, Josh, throw that logo up for me. If you look at our logo, you see that line goes, authentic relationships around Jesus. Kind of makes a circle. Circles have centers. Circles have centers. Our relationships are centered around Jesus. See, every relationship has a center. Whether it's a relationship with your your boyfriend or your girlfriend, whether it's a relationship at work or or a relationship at school or, or a relationship with your family, every one of those relationships are centered around something. That could be a godly thing. That could be an ungodly thing. At Trademark, we say our relationships are all centered around Jesus. Whether it's my relationship with the grocery clerk checking me out, whether it's my relationship with the Starbucks barista that I see on a weekly basis, whether it's a relationship with with my best friend, every single one of those relationships are about Jesus. Jesus is the center of that relationship. There's so much to unpack. I think you could honestly spend a month on each of these values, and you could just really unpack them. Maybe we'll do that sometime, not tonight. Tonight, what I I really want to focus on is I want to focus on this aspect, relationship centered around Jesus. I want to ask the question, what does a relationship centered around Jesus look like? And so I want to introduce us to a term that I think will help us make sense of what this means we, we say when we talk about the, the kind of community that we have at Trademark, you, you can write this down. Trademark is a gospel-centered community. A gospel-centered community. This is who we want to be. This is what a relationship centered around Jesus, a youth group centered around Jesus looks like. A gospel-centered community. So why this term? Let, let's, let's define this a little bit so we're not just throwing out word salad. Community, this is, this is just another word for a bunch of people who have relationships with one another. In, in our community, we have all these different relationships going on. Some are closer than others. Some are more intimate than others. But all these people together having relationships make up a community. And this community is centered around the gospel. The story of Jesus, the gospel. We're centered around the story of Jesus. A gospel-centered community is a group of people who come together and center their lives around the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. Every part of what we do here on a Wednesday night is about the story of Jesus. And we don't want you to miss that story in everything. And we love to unpack that story. And we love to talk about how different parts of that story impact our lives in different ways. And so sometimes we'll go super deep on just the teaching of Jesus. Other times, we'll go, we'll go really broad and just talk about the entire story of the Bible, which is what we've been doing the last couple years. We've been just, just been tracing this story. It's all about Jesus. And, and, and so we, we just want to unpack and we want to live in the story of Jesus. We are a bunch of people with relationships centered around Jesus. Let, let, let's tee it up even further. Here's what it means to be a gospel-centered community. You can write this down. The story of Jesus shapes the story of our lives. The story of Jesus shapes the story of our lives. As we see the story of Jesus, that that begins to affect the way that we live. And we say, I want my story to look like his story. I want my life to look like his life. I want my actions and my interactions to look like the way Jesus acted and interacted with people. So we read the Gospels and we see the way that Jesus treats people. and We say, hey, I want my story to look like his story. And so, so I want to begin to pattern my life after Jesus. I want to be able to, to emulate Jesus. Jesus is set up as, as this great example for us to follow, among other things. But, but Jesus is set up as this example that we can follow and we can pattern our lives after him. The story of Jesus shapes the story of our lives. Because of this, another term you might hear thrown around, we are, we are a, a cross shaped community. Another word you could hear is cruciform, which is just a word that means the shape of a cross. We are a cross shaped community because the center of the story of Jesus is the story of the cross. The most important moment in Jesus' life, the most important moment in Jesus' ministry is this cross. And so as we shape our lives after the story of Jesus, we begin to shape our lives after the story of the cross. And let me tell you why this is wild. The story that Jesus tells us is very different than the story that society tells us. Your social media feed is going to tell you a very different story Than the story of Jesus. Your friends and your teachers and and, and your classmates and and your teammates are going to tell you a different story than the story that Jesus tells us. The world is going to tell us that that, that, that the the, the pinnacle of life is is personal success and achievement. Jesus tells us the, the pinnacle achievement of life is a cross. The center of the life and mission of Jesus is the cross, the highlight of his life is his death. This is opposite to what our world tells us. Our world says if you wanna be successful, you look to the boardroom. If you wanna be successful, you look to political office. You wanna be successful, you're you're gonna try to have lots of money. You're gonna try to have millions of of followers or, or subscribers on your different platforms. You're you're, you're going to be famous and everyone's going to know your name. This is what the world tells us success is. The world says success is a wife, a dog, and 2.5 kids in your minivan. This is the story that that the world tells us. But where the world takes up a crown, Christ takes up a cross. Where the world takes up a crown, Christ takes up a cross. See, the world would look at the story of Jesus and say, Jesus peaked in John chapter 6 when he fed 5,000 people. He had this huge crowd, people were coming to hear his teaching, and then he said the wrong stuff and and said some confusing things, and people left, and we say, man, Jesus peaked in John 6, and it was all downhill from there. But if we read the story of Jesus, the way that Jesus tells it, the peak of Jesus' life was when everyone left him and abandoned him, and he was alone hanging on a cross, and Jesus says, that was my crowning achievement. That was as good as it gets. And that is the story that shapes us. The achievement of Christ's life and mission is public humiliation and execution. And that is the story that shapes us. Do you see how this is different from what your friends tell you, from what your teachers tell you, from what your social media feed tells you? The best thing you can do is public humiliation and execution. This is what we aspire to, the cross. Let's read Philippians chapter two, verse three again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And catch from verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then just listen to the phrases that Paul uses to describe the life and the death of Jesus. Who, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He had all, he, he, he was God, and yet said I'm going to step back and I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to become less humiliation. He emptied himself. He took the form of a, a bond servant, a servant, a slave. He was born in the likeness of men, from, from, from godly form and, and this, this, this perfect being, and he comes to dwell in this sinful, broken, hurting body. He's found in human form. He humbles himself. He's obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. You see the words that we use here. This is what we aspire to, humiliation, death on a cross. You can write this down. We is greater than me. We is greater than me. A cross-shaped community. A gospel-centered community is more focused on the people around me than it's focused on myself. In, in the words of John the Baptist, I must become less and less. They must become greater and greater. I want to I elevate the people around me. I want to see you succeed more than I want to see myself succeed. Look at verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. We is greater than me. You matter more than I do. This is our our lifestyle. This is the message. This is how we walk around. You matter more than me, and I want that to reflect every interaction that I have with you. You can tell I don't do a great job of this. That's great, because we're all messed up. You don't do a great job of this either. We're all on equal footing. Ground is level at the foot of the cross. This is what we aspire to. This is what Christ produces in us. We is greater than me. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is a verse that I just I need to pin this. Above, like, my mirror and my dresser and my TV and and everywhere. I just want to see this day in, day out. Look not only for my own interests, but for the interests of others. We is greater than me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. I'm called to a cross. I'm called to die to myself, to put myself down, to go as low as I can, and to elevate others. It's a gospel-centered community. Jesus died for us, and so we die for one another. You can write that down. We die for one another. Not always literally, sometimes maybe. But in my interactions, I want it to be like I'm dead to myself for you. I, I, I want to die for you. How, how can I die for you today? And this is, this is the theme of our lives. This is the theme. This is our mindset. As we walk around and live, how do I I die? I'm going to die to my rights. I'm going to die to my desire for importance. I'm going to die to my desire to be first. I'm going to make myself the least. I'm going to do it until it hurts. I'm going to humble myself to the point of death, even death on a cross, because that's what my Savior did, and that's what he calls me to do. Bruce Waltke in his commentary on Genesis has this great... This, this great saying, the righteous are willing to disadvantage themselves to advantage the community. The wicked are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. I'm a righteous man, and because I'm a righteous man, I'm going to see how, how can I hurt myself for your sake? How, how can I disadvantage myself so that I can advantage you, even if it hurts this is the mindset that we live with. This is the mindset that, that, that saturates our hearts and our lives. The call of Christ is humiliation. <clears throat> Jesus was in the form of God, but did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Me- meaning he, he, he wasn't gonna hold on to that. He wasn't gonna grab onto that. He deserved it. It was his right, the son of God who was himself God, fully divine, co-equal with the Father, deserving of worship and praise and honor and glory and power and majesty, and he gives it up and lets it go so that he can take the form of a lowly human being. If he can do it, surely he can empower you to do the same. This is what he calls us to. How low can you go? The call of Christ Is humiliation, but it is humiliation that leads to exaltation. Being found in human form, verse 8, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, verse 9, Therefore, meaning because of this, because he humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The humiliation of Jesus is humiliation that leads to exaltation. And so this is the same call that we have, humiliation that leads to exaltation in the kingdom of God the surest path to greatness is to go as low as I can if I want to be great I'm going to become the least Jesus teaches this he says the first shall be last the last shall be first this is the kingdom of God the first will be last the last will be first if I want to be exalted I'm going to go low humiliation that leads to exaltation Jesus tells a story about a banquet table and he says When you come to dinner at these banquets, you try to take the seats of honor. You try to have the most important seat in the room. You try to sit by all the important people. You try to network yourself and connect yourself. He says, don't do that. Instead, when you come into the room, take your seat at the lowest seat. Sit in the back of the room. Sit far away. Take the most humble position. Take the lowest position. And then, The host will come to you and say, dear friend, come, I have a seat for you. And he's going to give you the seat of honor, the most important seat at the table. This is the teaching of Jesus. If you will humble yourself, you will be exalted. This is a promise that we can stake our lives upon. And so when it hurts, when humiliation is difficult, When you're on the cross with Christ and you feel the weight of death, remember that resurrection is coming. Christ's life didn't end in death. It ended in resurrection and ascension. The cross of Christ leads to resurrection. And this is the call on our lives. As we humble ourselves, as we make ourselves low, resurrection comes. The first are last, but the last are first in the kingdom of God. So let's put the cookies where everyone can reach them. Three marks of a gospel-centered community. Three marks of a gospel-centered community. Grace, confession, exhortation. We are marked by grace in a gospel-centered community. We are marked by grace. This is just practically how this bears itself out. You could go infinite practicalities. The the hardest part of of this message prep was which categories do I go with? Because there's so much that this means. But but these are the three that, that, I felt were on my heart that the Lord would have me to share with you. A gospel centered community is marked by grace, marked by unmerited favor. Grace is not giving what is owed and giving what is not owed. Not giving what is owed and giving what is not owed. God is graciously overlooking your shortcomings. In Christ, God is graciously overlooking your shortcomings. Can you not do the same for others? God put your sin on Jesus. He put their sin on Jesus too. I think often we love, we love grace when it's for us. When it comes to other people, when it comes to our relationships, we really, we want justice more than Grace. God's economy is not an economy of justice. God's economy is one of grace. If I really want justice, if I I received justice, I'd I'd be burning in hell. Right now, God would strike me dead. Thank God that I'm not not judged based on what's actually perfectly justly right and wrong, but God looks at me with grace. God gives me life. God, God puts my sin on Jesus. He didn't have to do that, you know. He didn't have the son didn't have to die for your sin this this was a voluntary and so now because we're we're shaped by Jesus we're shaped by the story of Jesus we want to do the same in our lives we want to say man, I could nail you right now, but i'm not going to i i I could call you on the carpet I'm not going to i could I could give you I could, I could just focus so hard on all your shortcomings, but I'm not going to. Man, you are pissing me off right now, and, and I really just want to rail at you and punch you in the face, but I'm not going to. This is just practically. This is grace. This is grace in your third period tomorrow when that one kid raises his hand and asks a really stupid question, and your first inclination is to yell at him or make fun of him or beat him up. Grace. His sin is on Jesus too. And remember, again, we believe in total depravity. You want to jump on someone else, but hey, you have just as many shortcomings in your life. You have just as many spots in your life where you don't measure up. You probably don't even see half of them. So be thankful that people don't call you on all your crap. Live with grace. Live with grace. Jesus says, don't look to the speck in your brother's eye while ignoring the log in your own. Here's what this looks like practically. Don't be eager to point out the faults of others, whether in public or in private, whether to their face or behind their back. Gossip will kill a church faster than anything else. I I think this fits in this category of grace. Gossip is gonna kill a church faster than anything else. If you wanna destroy our community here, start gossiping about other people. that's That's gonna kill it, real quick. Real quick, we will become very toxic and, and, and terrible in, in no time. So, if, if that is your goal, start gossiping. It's going to kill us. But if you want to preserve our community, shut your ears to gossip. Do not entertain it. So, someone comes, listen, you don't need to listen to prayer requests, you don't need to listen to concerns. Is the person in the room? It's gossip. Is, here's an easy litmus test is it positive or negative? Positive or negative? If it's negative, probably gossip. Is the person you're talking about the person you're talking to? No? Probably gossip. Is this like a heartfelt concern that you're sharing with your friend? Amy, man. Ari was telling me the other day this and that and the other thing. And man, I'm just really concerned. Can we come together in prayer for Ari right What is this? It's not a prayer circle, it's a gossip chain. Stop it. Stop it. How dare you listen to me? How dare you not say, hey, that's my friend. You talk to her, not to me. This is how vigilant we need to be about this stuff. Hey, I don't care because they're not me. Shut it down. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Jesus died for us, so we die for one another. I would rather die than see someone gossiped about. I will humble myself to to the point of death before I point out faults in others because I have faults too. The righteous are willing to disadvantage themselves to the community. The wicked are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. This is just how this looks like. Grace. We're also marked by confession. We're marked by confession. The first thing that comes to mind is confession of sin. This is a place where we are honest about our struggles. Again, authentic relationships. We're honest about what we're dealing with. We're honest about the sin in our lives. You you see how grace enables confession? Confession. Because we have a culture of grace, because we're marked by grace, this is also a safe place for confession to happen. This is a safe place to share our shortcomings and and failings because you're not gonna be met by someone who's gonna judge you and and look at you different and look at you funny. You're gonna be met by someone who says, yeah, man, I'm so glad you shared that with me. Here's what I'm dealing with right now. Mutual, we're we're confessing to one another. But, but, But I think it goes deeper than this. Not just confession of sin. But, but confession is about revealing who I am to others. Confession is, is, is about being truly known by other people, revealing the deepest parts of my heart to someone else, not just the, the sinful parts, but also just the, the real and the vulnerable parts. A gospel-centered community is a place where I allow myself to be truly known by others. I was on Instagram the other day, and I saw this quote from, from John Calvin on there, and I thought it was, it was so fitting. He said, The tongue exists to reveal our hearts, both sin and truth. Both, thin, both sin and truth. Speech is the means by which God has ordained for us to communicate. God, God could have chosen any way for us to, to, to talk to each other. He could have chosen like weird sounds and beeps. He could have chosen smoke signals. He chose a tongue. He gave us the ability to speak for a reason. So let's use the way God gave us. God did not give you texting so that you could reveal your deep thoughts and feelings. God gave you a tongue. Am I speaking to anyone tonight? If if your deep confession and conversation is over text, I mean, cool, but but let's have that in person too. Let's have that in person too. Let's not limit ourselves to to our phones. God gave you a tongue for a reason. He chose in his wisdom to to make this the way that we talk, to make this the way that we confess. So, So let's do it this way. Confession is authentic speech. Part of an authentic relationship is about being open open and honest about who I am. So I'm honest about my passions, my dreams, my struggles. I'm I'm honest about my failures, my feelings, my joys, my, my sorrows, my pains. I'm honest about these things. There ought to be people in trademark with whom you are truly honest. Nothing held back. Nothing reserved. I'm thankful for those relationships that I that I have in this room. It's not everyone. I'm not saying you have to go to every person in this room and start airing your dirty laundry. But but I'm saying there ought to be, in in this Christian community, there ought to be people who who I can come to, and I'm so thankful for Anwar. He's one of the guys in here that I can just I I can talk to this guy. and, And and I just have this, I can be real with him. I can be open with him. And I'm so thankful for that relationship. And he's open and real with me, and we dialogue with each other. And, and he's challenging me. He's he's texting me throughout the week and just saying, "Hey, how 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 can I pray for you? Hey, I know you were struggling with this. Can 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 I pray for you about that?" And I'm so grateful for that relationship. This is what it looks like to be in a gospel-centered community. I'm open and honest. There's there's people there, there there's people who who I can talk to. But here's the other part of that. I'm 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 open. Openness. Yeah. Th- this is something that I just struggle with massively. If I'm going to be honest about myself. I struggle with openness. I, I can be honest. That's not a problem. Honesty is not a difficulty for me. Being open, getting me to be honest, getting to that point, sometimes you have to dig a little bit. Yeah. I think true Christian confession is marked by saying, hey, you don't have to dig. You don't, I'm just going to be open and I'm going I'm to put it on. We have to keep going. You can write this down. Truly known is to be truly loved. It's, it's not a blank, but but I just want you to write it down. To be truly known is to be truly loved. We walk around and we're not truly known by anyone. We have all these hidden places. And so what that means is we never feel truly loved by the people around us, because we always feel like, man, if you really knew about this part of my heart, if you really knew about this part of my life, you wouldn't really love me. So we walk, we walk around in these, these insecurities. We walk around in all these relationships, and we feel like, man, if you knew the real me, you would not love me. And so we have this block in our hearts. We have this wall that goes up, because we're not truly known. And what Christ has done is he's broken down this wall, Because Christ truly knows everything about you. There's no element of your heart, there's no element of your life that's hidden from Christ. He has truly known you, and so you are truly loved. And now, this is how we're going to pattern our relationships with each other. I want to be truly known by men and women in this room. There's people who just they know me. they, they, They know the dark parts and the good parts, and as a result, I'm able to be truly loved. Trademark should be the safest place there is for confession. We're marked by grace. We understand what it's like to wrestle with sin. There's grace here for sin. It's covered by the blood of the son. Whatever you've done, he's put that condemnation on his son. I I love Spurgeon's quote there. We're gonna mourn your sin with you. We're gonna love you in your sin, But, but it's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay that way. We're gonna help you grow past that sin. You can write down, we're marked by exhortation. I'm just gonna run through this. Real quick, exhortation. You can think of this as encouragement with insistence. I, I, I like to say encouragement with assistance. I'm gonna help you change. I'm not just gonna hear your confession and say, man, that sucks, I hope things get better, but, but I'm gonna get in your life and I'm gonna help you through this stuff. I'm gonna help you change. And, 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 and this, is, this is who we want to be. I thank God that when I confess my sin, He doesn't just accept it and move on, but He, he also wants to cleanse me of my sin. He wants to help me change. I don't know if you've ever fallen and, and like cut yourself or just cut yourself in general and, and, and your, your cut starts to get infected and dirty and so you spray on some hydrogen peroxide. It's it kid's camp last, like a month ago, and, and like kids get terrified when it comes to the hydrogen peroxide sprayer. Like there's nothing more terrifying to, to an eight-year-old, I think, than this, this bottle because it stings and it hurts so bad, and, and we have to tell them every time, hey, I know this hurts, I know this sucks, but we need to do this because otherwise this, this, this cut will get infected, you'll get sick, it could kill you. You could get killed, but so we, we need to do it now. It's going to hurt now, but, but, but we, we need to hurt this now so that we can keep it from killing you later. I, this, this is the process of exhortation. I'm going to hurt you now so that this doesn't kill you later. I'm going to be brutally honest about some stuff that I see in your life. And, and again, I'm thankful for these relationships that I have. That There are people in this room who are just brutally honest with me. To the point where it sometimes hurts me and offends me, but they're honest, they're cleaning out this cut before it's going to kill me. They're cleaning out this wound before it's going to destroy my life. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I thank God for the people in my life who are faithful to wound me, who are faithful to say the things that hurt. They're faithful to be honest and and to challenge me on things and and call me out on things. Earlier, I I said we're a community of grace, and and I'm not disavowing that. We we do this with grace. We do this with love. We do this with charity. We seek to overlook faults. This is still absolutely true. There's a big difference between my faults and my sin, though. There's a huge difference between just the annoying parts of my personality that kind of irk people. Like, we look over that stuff. You have them too. But there, there's a big difference between that and blatant sin and rebellion against God. That stuff, we call out. We're honest about it. We're, we're sometimes a little, a little harsh and brutal about it. Not because we, we, we don't love you, not because we, we hate you, but because we, we don't want to see this kill you. We don't want to see this ruin you. And so even if it offends me, even if it makes me upset, There's exhortation. People, people are honest with me. Christian communities die when they embrace grace and confession and ignore exhortation. Not because people start coming, but because they cease to be Christian. If we lose this, we lose everything. You can stand as we close with Ephesians chapter five, verse two. This is instructive to us. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Christ gave himself up for us. The Greek literally says he betrayed himself. He betrayed his human wants and desires in favor of what God had for him. I I wanna charge you tonight as we close, abandon the culture that says be true to yourself. Abandon the culture that says love yourself. Abandon the culture that says embrace your personal passions and desires and wants. Instead, walk in love and give yourself up for Christ. Give yourself up for one another. Commit yourselves to betray yourself for the sake of Christ and for others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for that it shapes us and changes us and molds us. Thank you for this gospel community that you have built at Trademark. I pray that you would continue to build us. Would we grow in grace? Would we grow in confession? Would we grow in exhortation? Would our lives be marked by your story? Would the story of Jesus shape the story of our lives more and more? We love you. It's for your beautiful name and for your glorious family, we pray. Amen.